Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us now, today. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever found yourself in a place where maybe you invested some money or some time or some energy into something that you wanted to do or, or you wanted to experience and maybe it was something that you built up in your mind? And it was months or maybe even years in the making. And you finally got to that moment when you're gonna do the thing or be a part of a thing or, or whatever it was that you were gonna get to do and you did it. And at the end of it, you were like, oh, was that it? Like you're kind of disappointed at the end of it. You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe it was a trip, a vacation or an experience, whatever it was, you built it up in your mind and you got there at the end and you're like, oh, that's all. That's kind of disappointing. I think the reason we're disappointed in those moments or kind of frustrated is because we invested so much into it. We invested a lot of energy, perhaps research, maybe some money even, maybe most importantly, and we invested our time. And you look at it and you go, man, I wasted so much time and money and energy. And the thing is, you can't get those back, right? You don't get a redo, on those things that you invested into it. Here's, here's the question I wanna ask. How tragic would it be that uh, if it, that became the story of your life? Like how tragic would it be that if you and I got to the end of our life and we had invested all this time and energy and resources into something we thought was important only to arrive at the end of it all and realize, oh, none of that really mattered that much. Because at the end of your life, there is no do-over. Yeah, the Bible says that God's mercies are new for us every single morning. That every day is an opportunity for a brand new start, a, a new beginning, but you don't get today back. So what if you were to live your life today in light of what really matters tomorrow? Now, I know it's frustrating to get to that place in your life only to discover that you spent all that time and energy on something that you thought was so important, but it turned out that it wasn't. But here's what I believe. There's an even greater reason as to why you would be frustrated. It's because of this right here. You were designed for so much more. In fact, I could say it this way. God has a vision for your life. God has a vision, God has a, a destiny, a destination that he's wanting to take you to. Really, it's the why that you're on this planet. Ephesians 2.10 says this, that you are God's handiwork, that you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God, look at this, prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, he came up with the thing that he wanted you to do, and then he designed you to fulfill that thing. You ever thought about this question? Why are you here? Not like, like here, here, like sitting at home or wherever you are, but like, why do you exist? Why, why are you taking up oxygen right now? Like, why are you on the planet? I know it's maybe a deep and, and profound kind of question to think about for some of you. Maybe your head starts to hurt, you know, thinking about it. But have you ever thought, like, why are you here? What's your purpose? What's the vision for your, your life? What is the good works that God prepared in advance for you to do? 
See, I happen to believe it's not just to work nine to five or to work for the weekends or to work to get a vacation or to work until you know, the day you can finally retire or till you, know, you can run around and collect tiny spoons from different states. That's what my grandmother used to do. Now, all that stuff is great. You should work hard. God's word tells us whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, right? You should work hard. But I'm just trying to raise this question right here. Is there more that you were meant for? Now, I've discovered that if you don't know why you're here, then your troubles will begin to define why you're here. If you don't know why you are here on this planet, then people will begin to define for you the reason that you are, are here. If you don't know the, the reason you exist, then friends and coworkers and, and your boss, whoever it is, is going to begin to define why you are here. So why are you here? Like, what's your purpose? God puts you on this earth, not by accident. Now, I don't care what the circumstances were, by the way, that you, you got here. Well, Colby, you don't know my story. Here's what I do know. You are not an accident. That God doesn't make mistakes. Your parents thought they had an oops. God didn't have an oops. Are you with me? Like, you're here for a reason. So why are you here? What's the vision that you have for your, your life? Proverbs says it like this, that where there is no vision, people perish. Another version says where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, they just wander around aimlessly from thing to thing, from place to place, when they don't know where they're going or, or why they are here. Why are you here? Now, I submit that a large part of the vision statement of your life now, I don't know your specific detailed vision or the specific thing that God has for you to do, but I would propose that for all of us, like tuning in online, whether you are sure of your faith or you're not sure at all what it means to follow Jesus, that this right here is a vision statement that all of us could embrace, and that is this. You're here to live a life that lives on. That you and I, would live a life in such a way, live our lives, that it would live on beyond us, that our lives would live beyond just the here and now. In fact, I pray when I die uh, in another 80 years or so, Colby, that would make you the oldest person on the planet. Oh, well. I pray that when I die, you don't believe it because I want my life to live on to live on through the, the future generations and, and students that we'll send out through this church all over the world to preach the gospel. That my life lives on through this church that God has allowed me to be a part of and together we've helped to, to build that my life will live on through the cities that we have radically impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the radical generosity of his followers. I pray that my life lives on most of all through my four boys that the imprint of my life is so on them that they are a reflection of their father. In fact, even better than their father, right? That they are arrows that will reach further than I could ever dream of. And I like what D.L. Moody says. He says, my greatest fear in life is not that I would fail, but that I would succeed at something that doesn't even matter. Can I ask you something? Could it be that you're succeeding but you're succeeding at things that really don't matter. Because the question is, right, how would you know if you're, if you're winning in the right thing, in the right things in life, if you don't know why you're here? It's not he who dies with the most toys, right? It, it wins, like he still dies. 
I'm not saying toys are bad, right? Buy your boat, buy your four-wheeler, buy the truck, buy the home in Hawaii. Just let me borrow it and bless your pastor in Jesus' name. Do all that. Those things are great and wonderful. I'm simply saying at the end of the day, will your life matter or will you have succeeded at things that really don't matter? Will you arrive at the end of your life disappointed going, you know, all that stuff that I spent my time and energy and resources because I thought was so important really wasn't that important after all. Like maybe you and I should pursue that vision to live a life that lives on. Psalm 112 says it this way, that good will come to those who are generous and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice. It says, surely that person, the righteous, will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. God tells us that this is something uh, we should aspire to, that we would live a life in such a way that it lives on. That you and I would live in such a way that, that maybe we could even use this word right here. We would have a legacy a legacy that you would give your life in such a way that it makes a difference in the lives of people for generations to come. Do you know that your life is broken up into two parts? There's the part that you live here on this earth, and then there's the part that you will live beyond this earth. And the Bible tells us that, that this life right here is not the end. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not die but have an everlasting life. That the grave is not the end. It does not have the final word in our life that we live on because we're created in the image of God, by the way. And from a theological position, we're created in God's image. We are created with a spirit being, that that's the immortality within us and we have these bodies that may die, that may waste away, but that's not the end of our life. Our spirit will live on. This body's deteriorating. It's gonna go into the ground, but the spirit in me is gonna live forever somewhere. And part of my responsibility as a pastor is to prepare you for both places, both parts of your life. Like I would be negligent if I prepared you for one and not the other. If I prepared you only for eternity and that's all we ever talked about, but not for the now. Or if I prepared you just for now, but not for eternity. And so I try to do my best to prepare you and, and help you live a life now. So I'll, we'll teach on things like insecurity and how to overcome that or how to steward your finances according to God's word. We'll teach on things like how to deal with stress, how to have peace in the middle of a struggle because we all have bad days, bad weeks, bad months. How about a bad year? Hello, 2020. Right, or we teach on those kinds of things, how to be all that God's called you to be, how to be a great parent, how to have a godly marriage, what that looks like. So we'll, we'll deal with those things, you know, with the hopes that this is a place where you find helpful principles from God's word to apply to your lives here and now. And we always say, if the Sunday doesn't impact your Monday, the Sunday doesn't count. But my responsibility is also to prepare you for the life after this life. Because I don't know if you realize this, but the vast majority of your life is the life after this one. In fact, it's James that says your life is like a mist. It's like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Imagine this rope right here goes on forever, all right? That just keeps going on and on and on. It doesn't, by the way. It just kind of stops right off the, the stage there. But imagine it goes on forever and ever and that this rope 
is like a timeline of your existence. And this part right here, I don't know if you can see it, but this little blue part right here represents your life on this earth. That you only have a few short years and then, right, all of this, this eternity. But this little blip right here is your existence. And what's amazing to me is that some of you, all you think about is this. That's it. You're consumed with, with this. Like, man, I'm going to work hard, you know, for a, a season of my life. Now I'm going to succeed in things that, that don't really matter. I'm going to work until I'm about 65 years old and then really enjoy the end of this, this tiny little part right here. And you're consumed with it. How am I going to spend my, my, my retirement? I'm going to get to travel. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to really focus on, on this. Are you kidding me? What about this? Like, what about the rest of the rope? See, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that, that what I do with this right here, this little part, determines how I exist for millions and millions of years, forever. This is the everlasting part. So why would I spend my life living for this? And people get so caught up in, in this right here. They make decisions based on this that will negatively impact the rest of this. You know, I'm not worried about this because I'm looking at all of this. And by the way, in order to go from, from this to this, you have to pass a test. And today I'm gonna to help to prepare you for the rest of the rope. In fact, that's what I'm calling this message. If you want a title, write it down. I'm calling it the rest of the rope. Now, how many of you love those teachers that would go, hey class, on Friday, there's gonna be a test. But today I'm gonna to review the, the whole test. I'm gonna give you all the questions and the answers as well. I'm gonna review the test so you take good notes now Right, so you'll be fine when the test comes. I love those teachers. Those teachers have a, a special place in the kingdom of God. Well, today I'm gonna be like one of those teachers because I'm gonna give you the questions to the test in the life beyond this life, and I'm also gonna give you the answers as well so that if you get to heaven one day and you're, you're standing in line and you don't know the answers and you say, well, God, I went to Elevate Church and that preacher never told me this, I'm gonna get out of line, I'm gonna come up to the front and go, liar, 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 pants on fire, right? Don't even let him in because he's lying to you because I preached on this. I tried to help him out, Lord. They wouldn't take notes. They stole 17 Elevate pens from church. They never even wrote with them. So I'm gonna give you the answers. I'm gonna help prepare you for the life beyond this life. Revelation 20, uh, this is the apostle John. He's writing a revelation that he received about the end. And here's what he said in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. In theological terms, this is known as the great white throne judgment. And him, him who, by the way, is God, who is seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his, his presence. And there was, there was no place for them. This is just kind of talking about the awesomeness of God in this moment, the greatness of God. Verse 12 says, and I saw the dead, both great and small. Don't miss that. In other words, at this throne, right, is a level playing field. Status does not matter at this throne. 
Rich, poor, it doesn't make a difference. Powerful or weak, it doesn't matter where you fall. At this throne, the great white throne, right? Your position means nothing. Your title means nothing. The ground is level. And it says this, so I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the throne and books. Now notice that has an S on it, right? It's, It's plural. It says books were opened and another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. That's an important book. And the Bible tells us that the dead were judged according to what had been recorded in the books, plural. So get this, there are books, like a lot of books, and then there's a singular book, and it's called the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what what they did in the books, all the rest of the books. So recorded in the books, plural, is everything that you've ever done, both good and bad. And some of you are thinking right now, well, I'm screwed. But there's another book, singular, and that's called the book of life. And in the book of life is the name of every person that's ever existed on the planet that has given their life to Jesus, that has placed their faith in Jesus. It says their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So every time we offer the gospel here at church, and someone says yes to following Jesus, they they raise a hand or they stand in a service or they acknowledge it online, the book gets opened and they record their name in the book of life. And so in the books, plural, is everything we've ever done. But it doesn't matter if our name is in the book, the book of life, right? Because we've received the free gift of salvation, then the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice, has blotted out everything in those other books. Amen, come on somebody. So my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. So you want your name in that book because of what's in the rest of the books. So here's the question. At this judgment, and I don't know exactly how it's gonna go, but something like this. Because this determines whether your name is written in the book of life or not. The question will be this. What did you do with Jesus? It's the great white throne judgment. God says, for I so love the world that I sent my only son to pay for the sins of the world. He says, because I'm a holy God, because I'm holy, all sin needs to be paid for, that whoever believes in him would have their name written in the book. So what did you do with Jesus? When your time is over on this earth, it says everyone, both great and small, your status doesn't matter, will stand before God and have to answer that question, What did you do with Jesus? And guess what? At this moment, what won't matter? How many church services you went to. It won't matter if you went to first Wednesdays. It won't matter how many small groups you attended. It won't matter if you served in a church. It won't matter how much you gave to the poor. It won't matter how many friends you helped move because you're the guy with the pickup truck. It won't matter if you're a good person. The only thing that matters at this judgment is, did you confess Jesus is Lord and trust that his sacrifice on the cross was payment enough for your sins? This test is all about grace. It's not about works. It doesn't matter if you've been confirmed or baptized. All that matters is how you responded to that question. What did you do with Jesus? And the only right response, by the way, must be I placed my faith in his work on the cross. 
The only thing that matters at this moment, at this judgment, is that I have a personal relationship, not a religious experience, but a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus, that gave his life for me. See, the Bible teaches that we will all spend eternity in one of two places. And listen, I don't say this. In fact, I have never preached from a position of fear or shame or guilt. But I am responsible for the clarity of the truth of God's word. And the Bible says that we're gonna spend eternity in either heaven or in hell. This is not popular preaching. You should know hell was never meant for us. According to the Bible, hell was created for the devil and his minions, his demons. That's it. And the only reason that people go to hell and spend eternity apart from God is because they choose to reject God's one and only son as payment for their sins. And they choose to pay for their own sins themselves. Like, don't you ever believe anyone that says, you know, God sends people to hell. God has never and will never send people to hell. People choose not to accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus, and they choose to go it alone and pay for their own sins. Like, why in the world would you not receive Jesus' payment for your sins? Like, why would you get to that moment and go, nah, I think I'll do this myself, but people do it all the time. And so the first question is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with God's son who came into this world to pay for your sins? Here's the second question. We find it in 2 Corinthians 5.10. This is the apostle Paul. Uh, he, He wrote this letter and he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So the first one, right, is the great white throne judgment. And now Paul is talking to the church, the followers of Jesus. See, everyone through time and eternity is gonna stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And then those of you who said, yes, I place my faith in Jesus, this second test or judgment, the judgment seat of Christ says this, we're gonna all stand before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive something, may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or or bad. So we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for all the things that we did. And while in the body just means while on this earth so that we can, it says, receive something. God wants to give us something. Here's the second question. Write it down. What did you do with what I gave you? The first question, what did you do with my son, Jesus? The second question is now, what did you do with what I gave you? Did I, what, what did you do with the way, the, the way that you lived your life? What did you do with that? See, God has given you intellect. He's given you resource. He's given you influence. He's given you relationships to steward. He's given you all these things that you have. So what did you do with what he's given you? That's how the question's gonna go. What did you do to, to make a difference, to make your life count, to make your life matter? That will be the question at the judgment seat of Christ. When I was growing up, I went to some of these uh, church camps, and maybe you've been to a, a church camp where they would teach uh, like middle schoolers about, about this moment, the judgment seat of Christ, and the way it was always explained to me, I don't know if this is reality or not, or just you know what I imagined in my 12-year-old mind, how it went, but it was kind of like that one day you're gonna stand before God, and everything you've ever done is gonna be flashed you know, before you on a movie screen. And whenever they told me that, I was like, oh, dear Jesus, I hope my parents aren't there. 
Because I don't want them seeing all the times that I skipped school or the times that I rolled up whatever I could find in the spice rack in notebook paper and try to smoke it. It's what I used to do. I highly recommend staying away from the cumin. Uh, that's bad news. And I'm like, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to see that. And it was using shame to try to motivate me to live for God, which is a horrible thing. In fact, let me just say this. If this isn't the church for you, that's okay. Please don't go to a church where they try to motivate you through shame. Like God never motivates with shame. He motivates with love. The Bible says it's his perfect love, right? That his kindness draws you to him. So I hope you'll stay here. But if you don't, don't go to a place that preaches a false Bible that motivates life change out of shame. Like shame's a terrible motivator. You may change some behaviors temporarily out of shame, but lasting change only comes from a change of heart. And a change of heart only happens, by the way, when the spirit of God comes into your life making all things new. Change changes you to your motivation from this, I have to live this way to I get to live this way. From I got to to I get to. Listen, you don't get judged into life change. You get loved into life change. But what this text is teaching us is that we're gonna give an account. That you and I, we're gonna give account for what we did, the things in the body, right? And we're gonna receive what is due to us. Matthew also, also talks about this in Matthew 16, 27. He says this, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward now, highlight that, you know, underline that. Whatever you have to do in your Bible, he will reward each person according to what they've done. Now, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, and that word reward is the Greek word apodidomai, and that means he's gonna pay you back. That's what it means, to pay back. So we just read in 2 Corinthians, right, that he's coming, and he's gonna give us something, what we're due, and now we're reading he's gonna come, and he's gonna bring a reward, He's gonna pay you back. So here's, here's the idea of the judgment seat of Christ. It isn't God's opportunity to, to beat you up, to flash you know, in front of you all the bad things that you've ever done. The Bible's clear that your sin like, is covered by grace. It's removed and it's remembered no more in Christ. But the judgment seat of Christ is God's opportunity to reward you to pay you back for the things that you did on this earth that made a difference, things that, that lasted to reward you for the things you invested in the kingdom of God. God's saying this, that, that you've been storing up these rewards for yourself. And whenever you get there to heaven, I'm gonna pay you back for everything that you did in the body that helped to advance the kingdom of God. And this is gonna be more like, uh, probably like a celebration or an award ceremony, like here's your ribbon, here's, here's your trophy. You know, I was thinking about this, that God's word says that in heaven, every tear will be wiped away. That's in Revelation 21. Now I thought about that, like why in the world would it say that the, our tears would be wiped away? Why in the world would we be crying in heaven, right? It, it's heaven. Here's what I believe, that if tears are shed, they'll be shed right here at the judgment seat of Christ. Like the moment we realize that we invested our life, our time, our energy, our resources on things that ultimately didn't matter, like I believe right here we will shed tears of, of regret, wishing that we had done more with what God gave us. But the Bible says in his mercy he will wipe away 
every tear. Are you living a life that lives on? Because you're gonna give an account for your life. Not, not in the sense that, hey, you better get it together, get your act together because you're gonna get God smacked around heaven. That was a band name, I think, back in the whenever, God smacked. But in the sense that you're gonna have an opportunity to present your life to God, a life that says, God, you saved me when I couldn't save myself. You gave me the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus, and I wanna present my life back to you, a life that I live pursuing you, investing into things that ultimately mattered. I lived a life that will live on. So I guess the question is, how do we do that? How do we live a life that lives on? I'll tell you what, the answer is simple, but it's not simplistic. In fact, write this down. You live a life that lives on by doing this right here. When you give your life away. When you give it away. And specifically by, by giving your life away to things that will, will outlast you, that will live for eternity. And listen, if you found something that's worthy, you come and tell me. But the only thing that I found that will live on is the kingdom of God. That when I invest my life in his kingdom, when I invest my life in, in his church, then, then I invest my life into something that's gonna outlive me and last for eternity. My life lives on when I give my life away to God's kingdom. And can I tell you something? That's been the story of this church. I told you last week that eight years ago, it was a, just 15 people in a living room with a dream to be a part of changing the spiritual climate in an entire city. It wasn't lights, it wasn't camera, action, all that stuff. It was 15 people in the booming metropolis of Summit Township, come on somebody, that came together and decided we're gonna give it all away. The Erie didn't need just another church. There's plenty of churches. That wasn't our motivation for planting but we believe that it needed a different kind of church, a life-giving church. And we decided to give our life to that cause and over the years, eight years, thousands of people have joined in that. And so we're gonna give our life away as well. But how many of you know there's so much more to do? Like there's more opportunity to, to give your life away. There's more opportunity for you to, to live a life that will live on. Are you succeeding in something that doesn't matter? Or are you living a life that matters for eternity? Live a life that makes a difference in the lives of, of people for generations and generations to come. Not living for just this. You know, there are thousands of people that decided we're not just gonna live for this. But our focus is on, on this, on giving our life away. There are people here tonight behind a camera so that you can watch online because they've decided I'm willing to give my life away. There's people leading us in worship every single week from this platform. They've decided this is one way that I can, I can do this. I can serve. I can help create environments where people can come hear the life-transforming message of Jesus and what he's done. They are living for the rest of the rope. They're not living for this. 
They're greeting you right now online as an online host. They're willing to, to pray for you right now because they've decided, I'm gonna give my life away, that I'm living for the rest of the rope. We have people that are so committed to loving your children here at this church and teaching them the word of God so that they're prepared for this life and have a solid footing because life happens. And when life happens, we want our children to turn to the foundations that have been laid in Jesus for direction, not to the world. Why do they do that? Because they've decided to give their life away, to live for the rest of the rope. You're watching online because people are switching videos behind the scenes. We've got camera people. They've decided I'm gonna give my life away. Now I'm standing in an auditorium because people decided to give financially years ago and said, I'm gonna give my, my life away. I wanna build something that will live on. I want to live a life that'll live beyond this little moment right here, but to live for the rest of the rope. I shared with you last week that 4,585 people, actually now 4,586 people, and I'm fully expecting more, said yes to following Jesus through this church. And those are just the people that let us know. I believe there are thousands of people that have made decisions in their heart that never raised a hand or never filled out a card. And that only happens, why? Because some people gave their life away and a living for the the rest of the rope. Can I tell you something? Everyone that serves, everyone that gives here at this church is not gonna be that Colby gets to the end of his life and goes, wow, look at the church that I built. Churches are not built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. And we're all gonna get to the end of our life and go, you know what happened with Mike Sheffield? That was because we created an environment that we wanted to give our life to, to seeing people far from God reach their full potential in Christ. We're gonna get to the end of our life and go, wow, look at the church God was able to build through us. You'll have a part in that. And you can say, my life mattered and my life will live on because I helped build a life-giving church that was laser-focused on being a place where people could know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I gave my life away to something that's gonna outlast me. Listen, kingdoms have come and gone, but the church, the church has remained. So don't get caught up building your kingdom here because this is gonna come and go. Don't build it here at the expense of building God's kingdom, which is gonna last for eternity. Let me give you one more scripture. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He was his son in the faith and, and he was being mentored by Paul. He said, hey, hey, Timothy, you need to tell your church something. Make sure they know this. Command those who are rich. And I, listen, I know you see that word rich and you immediately think, man, I'm not rich. But can I tell you something? If you live and work in the United States, like compared to the rest of the world, you fall into the rich category. Even though you don't think of yourself that way because you're always comparing yourself to someone else that has more, which by the way, comparison is the killer of contentment. Comparison blinds you to the reality of what God has done in your life. But if you live and work in the US, you are blessed greatly, you are are rich. And so he says, hey, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or Man, don't put your trust and your hope in wealth, 
which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our, hey, don't miss that, enjoyment. There it is. God has no problem with with you enjoying the stuff that you have, so buy the thing, take the trip. God doesn't have an issue with that. He says, I've provided this for your enjoyment, but that's not all there is to it. I've also provided it so that, look at verse 18, you can command people to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And then this is what he says, in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation in the coming age. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, there's gonna be a test. There's gonna be a test. And if you'll be good to people, if you'll be generous and willing to share, then you're laying up for yourself some treasure and the rest of this. Paul's saying, Timothy, let people know, yes, live this life, but be prepared for the next life. Timothy, let the the church know that there's a test coming, that people have an opportunity to stand before God and present their lives to God. And God's gonna reward them, not based on the things they stored up here, but based on the things they stored up in eternity. So tell them, lay your treasures in the coming age. Don't get so focused on this that you neglect the rest of this. Don't invest everything into the part of your life that's like a vapor that's here today and gone tomorrow, but invest your life in eternal things to live a life that lives on so that he says, and I love the end, you may take hold of the life that is truly life. I would say it this way, a life that is fully alive because you're never more alive than when you're giving your life away. Now, I wasn't sure if I was gonna share this with you, but there's a a couple in this church that embodies this principle. Like they so understand that for God so loved that he gave, that that God is a giver by nature and that they, they live to give. And so we have an opportunity before us This couple has decided that they wanna give us 52 acres of land to continue to advance what God is doing in and through this church. I don't know if you know this, but our time in this space, this auditorium that we're in now, has a limit to it. We have another three or so years left where we are currently. And this couple, they've they've given us this great opportunity for us to continue to to build and advance what God is not only doing in this community, but beyond as well. In fact, through their generosity, I don't say this, I say this because here's what I believe. There's a spirit of poverty in our city, a spirit that wants to suppress people. But I think the way that we break that spirit of poverty is through a a radical spirit of, of generosity. This couple has given to this church in the last three years, maybe it's two and a half years now, three years, over $1 million to God through the church. Because you don't give to the church, you give to God through the church. And I believe that we can break a spirit of poverty in our city as we get uh, grab hold of this spirit of generosity. 
Like we need to embrace and release a spirit of generosity over Erie like we never have before. So you need to know that there are people in this church that are willing to give it all away. Give your life away so that your life lives on, so that you get to the end of your life and know that it mattered that you're investing in giving your life away. And there's one very practical way we get to do that coming up on December 5th and 6th. Because on the first weekend of of December, every single year, we as a church, we come together around what we call our Until Jesus Runs This Town offering. And it's an opportunity for us to advance the church, to advance God's mission for our church in this city. It's an opportunity for us to respond to the goodness of God in our lives through, throughout the year and bring our very best gift over and above. I don't know, some of you are thinking, well, there's not a lot to be grateful for in 2020. Oh, yes, there is. If nothing else, God has allowed 2020 to strip away some non-essentials and for us to focus on what really matters the most. And I think now more than ever, we need to, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with as many people as we can. We started this offering about four years ago. And at the, the end of every year, we come together and say, God, how can we express our heart for your house? How can we continue to build your kingdom and, and advance the mission here in Erie and beyond? Because here's the reality, the vision of this church it moves at the speed of your generosity. Over 4,500 people placing their faith in Christ, almost 900 people stepping forward and going public in baptism, thousands attending every single week. While we're grateful for what God has done, we are not finished. While we are amazed at the goodness of God, we have just begun because there are more communities to reach. There are more cities across the state of Northwestern PA and Ohio and into New York that need to experience the life-giving power of the gospel, that need to experience the atmosphere that God has created in this house where burdens are lifted and chains are fallen and addictions are broken and marriages are restored. People need to experience the power of God that is very much alive, that is not in a grave, that is risen. They need to come into a house where we believe this is not a funeral, but a celebration. We need to experience that. We need to move as God moves. Move at the, we will continue to move this church forward at the speed of your generosity. And when you give, you give your life away. And I believe when you give, you're giving to something that will live on. And I tell you about this offering four weeks before it happens so that you can begin to pray and ask God about how you would be a part, how you would be involved. God, God, what could he do with our generosity in 2021? If we're to bring our very best gift at the end of this year, here's what I know, that when you stand before God and he says something to the effect of, what did you do with what I gave you? If you say, God, I gave it all away, he'll say, awesome, I'm gonna give it back to you in full, pressed down, shaken, running over. I'm going to give it back to you. And he's going to give it back to you on the side of eternity that matters the most. Would you pray with me tonight, God? I ask that you would right now speak to our hearts, that you would move in our lives like you, you never have before. Holy Spirit, I pray that no matter where someone is watching and tuning in from, whether it's in Pennsylvania, whether it's around the, the US or, or even around the world tonight, 
God, that your spirit would speak in such a clear way that we need to prepare for the life that is to come, the life after this life. That there are two questions that we're going to face. And I don't know where you stand with God tonight, where you're watching from, but there are two questions that are coming your way. And the first one determines your eternity. And that question is, what did you do with Jesus? Listen, it's something you can't get around. You have to decide you're either gonna reject the sacrifice he made for you on the cross or you're going to accept it. And you're gonna confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says when you do that, you'll be saved. So let me ask you that question again. What have you done with Jesus? Maybe just right now, you just ask God to speak to you about that answer. And if you've never confessed him as Lord, let me give you a chance to do that. The way we do that is through prayer. Let me just lead you in, in a prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just the, the Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart that Jesus was that sacrifice for our sins and that God sent him to die for our sins in our place and that God raised him from the grave three days later, that we could have this, this life that's been raised as well. So I wanna give you a chance to do that right now. You can say something like this. God, I wanna answer that question. And my only response to you right now in light of the fact that Jesus gave his life for me is to give my life back to you. This is not about being a part of a church. This is about having a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus. The first thing you have to do is confess that you're a sinner and just realize it's your sin that separates you from God. So just say maybe tonight, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sin. I believe that your payment on the cross was sufficient to cover my sin, past, present, and future. And so I confess you as Lord and as Savior. And from this moment on, I'm gonna give my life to follow you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, if you made that decision, wherever you are, we would love to hear about it. In fact, you can let us know right there in the chat. You, you can text yes to the number that you see right there. Just let us know that you've taken that next step because we wanna help you in this journey that you've just begun. We believe it's the very best decision that you can make. And so now as you're living your life for him, the question then becomes, all right, God, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want me to do with all that you have given me? And we wanna help you discover that so that ultimately you can live for God and know the purpose that you were created for. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.